Think of someone holding a machine gun in one hand and a yellow birthday balloon in the other, and how strange that image would be. It's actually hard to imagine a scenario where anything like that would ever happen. Well, the same is true with favoritism in one hand and the gospel in the other. Hello, you're listening to the Greek to Me podcast, a daily discovery of the New Testament scriptures one word at a time. We hope today's podcast helps you better understand and appreciate God's Word. Hi, it's February 18, and today's word is prosopolepsia. In James chapter 2, James writes, verse 1, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing, and say, You sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, You stand over there, or sit at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Prosopolepsia means partiality or favoritism, respect of persons. It comes from the word that literally means to take hold of someone's face or to take into consideration primarily someone's appearance. To show prosopolepsia means to value the external or the superficial more than what's on the inside, who someone is, their character. The Thayer's Greek lexicon says it this way, to give judgment with respect to the outward circumstances of men and not of their intrinsic merit. And so to prefer as the more worthy, the one who is rich, high-born, or powerful, to another who is destitute of such gifts. When we think about this, it's hard not to think of Martin Luther King Jr.'s speech in August of 1963 where he said, I have a dream that my four children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I think this quote is so famous because of the man who said it and because of how succinctly it is stated. I do not think however, that this quote has lasted almost 60 years because of the truth it communicates. What I mean is, this is not, or it should not be, a revolutionary concept. Except for a radical few, relatively speaking, racism and prejudice are typically considered shameful things. No one wants to be treated poorly based on outward appearance alone, And he is a fool who is happy being treated favorably based on external factors alone. Impartiality did not begin with Martin Luther King Jr. or with the most moral of moral men. It began in the mind of God. This is why James can write that such thinking is evil or wicked, because it violates God's law. God thinks it's wicked to pay more attention to a rich man than to a poor man because your motive to somehow be propped up by this man of means uh, might force you, compel you to talk with him, give him a, a, a better seat. Why? So that you can maybe share in his resources or be invited into his importance somehow. It is simultaneously wicked to, along the way, despise the poor man simply because you believe he has nothing of value to offer you. James calls that person a foolish or evil evaluator. You're an evil decision maker or judge. But sometimes prejudice 
and favoritism are more subtle. In Acts chapter 10, Peter says, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As God sends Peter to the Gentiles to share the gospel, Peter appears hesitant. As we read all throughout Acts chapter 10, we see a responsive Peter who ultimately obeys God, but we can't help but see what looks like some Jewish superiority in his thinking. As it turns out, Peter's hesitancy was not one of pure conscious racism, but of misled Jewish nationalism and a a misunderstanding of the priority of the Jews as it relates to salvation. In the end, after being clearly, graciously instructed by God, and after being publicly rebuked by the Apostle Paul, Peter's deep-seated prejudice was exposed for what it was. We are to be holy as God is holy, and that includes his impartiality. James writes that we are not to, quote, hold partiality and the gospel at the same time. I love this language because it vividly describes how inconsistent and incompatible the two are. Think of someone holding a machine gun in one hand and a yellow birthday balloon in the other, and how strange that image would be. It's actually hard to imagine a scenario where anything like that would ever happen. Well, the same is true with favoritism in one hand and the gospel in the other. Paul writes in Romans chapter 2, verse 10 and 11, that the glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, first to the Jew, also the Greek, for God shows no partiality. Paul writes later in Ephesians chapter 6, there is no partiality with him, meaning God. The gospel was to go through the Jews as a vessel to the Gentiles in God's timing, not to the Jews for them to do with whatever they please. Just because they first received God's law and the promise of the new covenant gospel as we know it does not mean that they were better, just that they had a unique responsibility and role in God's plan. After all, the Jews did absolutely nothing to earn God's favor. Abraham, the father of the faith, was graciously plucked from pagan obscurity, and God made a covenant with him that God kept despite Israel's faithlessness. And that's the point. No one deserves God's mercy and grace. God has told us that he is drawing people from every tribe, nation, and language on the earth to trust in Jesus and spend eternity with him. That has been the plan all along, and none of us will be saved by God because of anything great we have to offer Him. Instead, He delights in the worship of those who humbly approach Him by grace alone and through faith alone in Christ Jesus, regardless of how influential or attractive or how poor we may be according to the standard of this world. And So, Christian, how can we hold the gospel and drop partiality today? You may ask the Lord to expose subtle tones of superiority as it relates to your demographic or status in life, or you might ask the Lord to purify your motives or your thoughts as you interact with people who are less fortunate and have fewer resources than you. You might ask Him to help you not make the same mistake King Saul made and not look only on the outward appearance, but to be more like God, who is more concerned with what is on the inside. May we care more about who someone is than what they have or how they can benefit us. And may we, 
as we have experienced in the gospel ourselves, go the next step as well and love all, our neighbor, our enemy, without condition and free from even the thought of needing something in return from them.